Welcome to the Redeemer Covenant Church Podcast. Thanks for listening. At Redeemer, we are dedicated to following Jesus and connecting people to God's transforming love. If you want to stay connected to all that's happening here, visit rcctulsa.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. As we begin this morning, I would like to just echo the words of welcome. We are really glad that you're here. And for those of us who don't know who I am, and uh, my name is Joe Scruggs, and like Wapsall, I'm on the pastoral staff here. It's a real privilege to be a part of this, and, and once again, we really thank you for being here and celebrating all this with us. Several years ago, I had the privilege of participating in a service like this, and as part of that participation, I tried to think of one word that would describe Christmas, just one word that would sum it up. And so real quickly, don't be bashful, what are some words you think that would sum it up? You have to keep it to one word. Joy? I'm sorry? Noel? Do what? Hope? Love? Okay. Christ? Why don't you come up here and just do this, okay? Because you got it covered. <laughs> A lot better than what I got to say. No, the word that I thought of, and I looked on Christmas cards and things like that, and all of those are great words. All of those are fine words. But I was thinking about it, and the word I came up with, and in your mind, see if anybody came up with this, was the word disruption. (laughs) Now between he and I, we're done at this point in time, so... No, I thought of the word disruption, and I'm, I'm serious about that, because I believe that Christmas was a disruptive beginning to the most disruptive life that has ever walked on the face of the earth. The most the distru- uh, uh, beginning to the, most dis- the, uh, to the most disruptive life that ever walked on the earth. And before I get into that, let me just use the word, I'm, the definition of disruption or disrupt. I'm going with it like this to cause something to be unable to continue in the normal way. Something that disrupts causes it to not be able to continue in the normal way. And so my position or my argument is that Jesus coming, uh, we were not able to continue life in its normal way. He changed things. Things are different because of him. And that's why I use the word disruption. And you look through the event itself, and there's all sorts of disruption, incredible disruption begins with Mary, and most of us are familiar with the story, but just let me read some of the passage. God sent his angel Gabriel to Nazareth, the town in Galilee. Now, I would submit that right there you have a disruptive event. That's disruptive. To a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled which I think all of us would be at these words, and wonder what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Now here comes a real disruption. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever, and his kingdom would never end massive disruption to her life. I am completely confident that when she woke up that morning, this is not what she expected. I'm completely confident that when she started thinking about having children, this was not what she expected. 
I'm also pretty confident that it must have gone through her mind, what kind of impact is this going to have socially? What are my friends going to say? What are my parents' friends going to say? Very, very disruptive as we go forward from here. What would happen with my marriage? What's Joseph going to do with all this information? Great disruption, internal disruption, external disruption, disruption in the whole birth process. And Joseph, speaking of him, very disruptive for him. Good guy. And it talks about how he spent time trying to figure out the best way to handle this. And he came up with the idea that he would have Mary put away, which was a good thing back then, quietly. He wouldn't expose her to public shame or anything like that. He would have her put away quietly. But that had to be disturbing, disruptive news. He could not have expected this is how his first months of marriage were going to go. It was disruptive. But after he considered this decision, the idea to put Mary away, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Have you ever noticed in the Christmas story how many times it says, don't be afraid? It's all throughout the story. Don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you will give him the name Jesus for he will save his people from all, the, all their sins. I would submit to you that that was an incredibly disruptive message. Incredibly disruptive. What must he have thought? And so he did go ahead with it, though. And they went to Bethlehem, and you know how the story goes. The baby came. But after that, it got even more disruptive. Because, as you know, the wise men, we don't know how many there were or exactly when they came, but they came, and when they left, they deceived Herod, the king, a paranoid, angry, mean king. And so an angel came to Joseph in a dream again. Very disruptive. And an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I call for you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. Amazing. Just pack up and go. Leave your town, leave your friends, leave your everything. Go to Egypt because you need to be on the run because the king is trying to kill the child. And most of us know the story. Herod was so angry when he was deceived and didn't know where the child was. He ordered the destruction of all children two years and younger. Incredible disruption, incredible disruption as we go forward. So he took the child and his mother and they went to Egypt. And all of this is going on just because it was, it was just part of the plan, so to speak. But from our perspective, it's completely disruptive. It was disruptive throughout the country. Like I said, the children were slaughtered. And part of the disruption, see if this makes sense, part of this disruption was that it disrupted the preconceived religious notion of the time of how the Messiah would come and what the Messiah would do. It disrupted that whole notion because the Messiah was going to come as a conquering king. The Messiah was going to come as a ruler. The Messiah was going to set things right. The Messiah was going to get rid of the Romans. And that was what they anticipated. But it didn't happen that way. Let me read how Paul describes it in, in, uh, in Philippians. Let Christ himself be your example as to what your attitude should be. For he, now listen to this, for he who had always been God by nature, he didn't start at Christmas. He had always been God by nature. In fact, in some places it calls him the first and upholding principle of all creation. Everything was created through him and by him. That's who he was. Did not cling to his, uh, did not cling, had always been God by nature, did not cling to his prerogatives. Another word for prerogatives might be rights. I have a right to this. This is mine. This is my prerogative. 
I don't have to do this. This is my choice. Did not cling to his prerogatives as God's equal, but stripped himself of all privilege by consenting to be born a slave by nature and being born as a mortal man. And having become man, he humbled himself by living a life of utter obedience, even to the extent of dying, and the death he died was the death of a common criminal. You know, Paul starts out talking about he came as a man. But I think I would argue if Paul had fleshed that out a bit, you could take it back a bit further. An amazing way. Before he was a man, he was a boy. Before he was a boy, he was a baby. Before he was a baby, he was a single cell that was planted in the womb of a 14-year-old virgin. That's astounding. That's disruptive. That's amazing that he did that. And they couldn't get their minds around that. It was so disruptive to their expectations as they went forward. And once you get past that, there's lots of examples that Jesus was incredibly disruptive just throughout his life. He overcame the religious traditions of the day. Go ahead and show that picture up there. This is just an example. There is a picture. It's a dark, dark night in that picture. Apparently the picture's not working. Oh, it's working up there. It's not working over there. Okay. I'm not going to, sorry about that. I'm not going to mess that up again. Don't mess with me like this. This is just sad. See how disruptive that was? Can you just imagine what I'm going through up here now? I should have quit while I was ahead with Jesus. Uh, but anyway... The scene is amazing. You have this exotic dance studio, and it's got a, a nativity scene on top of it. Now, does, not that, does that not seem incon incongruous to you? Does that not seem odd? But you know something? Those were the kind of people that Jesus came to. He hung out with those kind of people. He hung out with sinners. He hung out with all sorts of people. This is where he probably would have been. Very very disruptive to the morals and the standards of the day. Very disruptive person. And the disruption would even affect families. Listen to what he says in Luke. Do you think that I've come to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, but division. From now on there will be a five in one family divided against one another. That's disruptive. He's going to disrupt the very social fabric of the most basic social unit, the family. He says it will be up against each other, three against two and two against three. They will be divided. Father against son and son against father, mother against daughter, daughter against mother-in-law, mother-in-law against daughter, and daughter-in-law against the mother-in-law. Now, in my family, it's Margie's mother versus the son-in-law. We're divided, but uh, no, I'm kidding about that. But this is very, very disruptive, just incredibly disruptive. And we've got to get our minds around that. He changed everything. He disrupted the religious standards of the day. You have heard that it was said. But I say to you, there's a different set of rules. The old ones don't work. We're changing this. He even disrupted the calendar. This is after Christ. Before, prior to that, it was before Christ. Do you know something else? He also disrupted our eternal future. He changed the future that was awaiting us. We were stuck in a cycle of sin that was going to lead to spiritual death, and that was a bad, bad thing. And on the cross, he disrupted that. And we need to be just forever eternally grateful. As death entered the world through a man, so has rising from the dead come to us through a man. 
As members of a sinful race, all men die. As members of Christ, all men shall be raised to life. The old path was all men die. In Christ, we all have the opportunity to be raised to life. A welcome, welcome disruption. Death is swallowed up in victory. Where now, death, is your victory? Where is your stinging power? It is sin which gives death its sting, and it is the law which gives it its sin its power. Listen to this. All thanks to God, then, who gives us a victory over all these things through our Lord Jesus Christ. He disrupted the very cycle of eternity, and we need to be grateful for that. It is now possible for us to have eternal life because of the disruption of Jesus and what he did on the cross. He disrupted the expectations, like we said. He disrupted everything. And so the question is, the hard, hard question is, will he disrupt our lives? If we choose to follow him, I would submit to you that has the potential to be a very disruptive thing. We might be called on to repent from some stuff that we've been hanging on to for a long time. We might have to disrupt some resentment that we've hung on to for a long time. We might have to disrupt some anger that we've held on to for a long time. We might have to disrupt our perceptions about guilt because we're feeling so bad and accept the forgiveness that Christ offers. We might have to change the way we relate to people. I just wrote down some things over here as I was thinking about as we talk about this idea of disruption. Um, we might be called on to love the unlovable. That's a big disruption because our standard says you don't love the unlovable. We might actually have to struggle with what it means to love our enemies. An incredible disruption. We have to, have to figure out what it means to serve the undeserving. We might be called on to have an entirely different life. It's going to disrupt our normal way of doing things. So let me ask a question, and we don't have to answer it out loud, but uh, what do you think keeps us from being more disrupted? What do you think it is? What do you think happens? Does it scare us? Does it create fear in us? Does it make us nervous? Do we not know how people are going to respond? Are we just don't want to? Because I would argue, and I think I could make a good point, if we choose to move close to Jesus, we're going to have to deal with the possibility of our life being disrupted in some form or fashion. I don't know what it'll be. I don't know how long it will last. But it's there, and it's real, and it's going to happen. And so I would ask you to think through that. Think through, what keeps my life from being more disrupted? Because Jesus was disruptive. So how do we get close to him and not be disrupted? Tr tricky stuff. I would argue one of the things that we do is we just have sort of a mismatch. Instead of fitting our lives into Jesus and his standards, we try to make him fit into ours and our standards. We try to fit him into the mold that we think should happen, just like the Pharisees did. You don't hang out with sinners. That was their mold, but he disrupted that. So I would really encourage us to think through what we need to do to fit our lives into the ethic and the standards of Jesus as we go forward. As we finish, just one final thought. We wring our hands, and rightfully we should. We get very, very upset because of the way Christmas has been commercialized and all the materialism and so on and so forth. Would you agree with that? Most of us, I bet, if I ask you to raise your hands, would raise your hand and say, I'll be glad when this is over. Because it's just so exhausting. It's so busy. It's so chaotic. It wears us out. And we should be upset about that. 
But let me tell you something else I think we should be upset about. We should be upset if we make Christmas too bland, if we make Christmas too pleasant, if we make Christmas too passive, because we are not celebrating a passive event. We are celebrating the coming of the Son of God to change the world where we can have eternal life. That's not passive. That's big. And so I really would encourage us to kind of wrestle with that. Let's not make Christmas so passive. I think the Christmas cards are great. I think the snowy scenes of peace and joy and hope, great. But that's not all there is to it. There's disruption. There's a change. There's things. Things are completely different because of what's happened. The whole fabric of society, the whole fabric of time, the whole fabric of our families, the whole fabric of everything is changed. This is a big, big deal as we go forward. I'm paraphrasing now a quote from um, Philip Yancey. It says, In contrast to what the cards tend to say, most of us, and have most of us believe, Christmas did not sentimentally simplify life on the present earth. Christmas did not simplify life on the planet earth. I would argue that it complicated life. It's better, it's good, but it's complicated. It complicated our lives. It disrupted our normal patterns. Perhaps we need to come to grips at what we think as we turn from the pleasant cheerfulness of the card is to the disruptive force of the Gospels. It's going to disrupt us, but the disruption will be good. There will be meaning and purpose and hope and love and change. Families will do better. Our jobs will do better. We will do better if we can be willing to be disrupted by the power of Jesus Christ. It's a good thing we celebrate this but it's also a disruptive thing. If you would, let's close in prayer. Father, we come to you now, and Lord, we accept the disruption. Uh, we thank you for the disruption. It would be awful, horrible, indescribable if things were just continuing on the pattern that they were. We would be hopeless, we would be lost, we would be scared, and we would have no future except the bleak one. So we thank you for your disruption. We thank you for what you did. We thank you for disrupting your whole existence in coming to this planet as a cell, as a baby, as a boy, as a man, as a Messiah. We thank you for that, the way you disrupted things. And help us to be a disruptive force for good wherever we go. Help us to address what we see as evil and be a disruptive force for good. Help us to be a disruptive force for love when we see resentment. Help us to be a uh, disruptive force for peace when we see chaos. Help us to be disruptive in the best possible way. And thank you for the meaning and the purpose that you will give us in life. We pray these things now in the name of the great disruptive one, Jesus Christ, even the Son of God. Amen.